Hello, and welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wabo's most newest work as it releases. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And it's good to talk to you again, Elliot. We haven't spoken in, a f- what, four months? Oh, it's been so long. I've, so many I've, years. I months. barely remember which way is up anymore. I barely remember which one of us is Ruben Morehouse and which one <laughs> of us is Elliot Diebold. Um, yeah, well, we're here. Uh, we're back from our award-winning show, Deep Impact, to talk about <laughs> Pale, which is a another show set in the Wabo Otherverse universe. Um, we should point out here, if you're new to the show, we're not going to be... We're explicitly not going to be discussing packed spoilers. Um, this is going to be, as Pale is, a completely packed spoiler-free zone. Uh, we might do some special packed spoiler sections towards the end of each episode, but those will be clearly delineated. Apart from that, you can come into this completely fresh. Uh, yes, and, and similarly, if you're going to be joining in on our Reddit threads and, mm-hmm. and all that jazz, uh, no packed spoilers in any yeah. of those. Yeah, spoiler tag any packed things. Yeah. Um, especially, I, I don't know, I've noticed... Uh, quite a few of you who've read Pact, you know, there's a lot of things in the world that aren't yet explicit in mm-hmm. Pale, so so mm-hmm. please be careful about, you know, world building stuff that you're referencing because it may not be common knowledge for for Pale readers. Yes, we do have at least one listener I know of by name who is listening along to this and has not read Pact, which is a bit wild. Um, and to that person I say, go read Pact; it's pretty good. And while you do that, <laughs> listen to our previous show, Deep in Pact. But if you're not going to do that, that's fine. Um. Should we get on with it? Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to be covering uh, two chapters here, I guess. Uh, The first chapter is the prologue, Zero Zero Blood Run Cold. And the second chapter is the brochure for Experiencing Kennet. Yeah, more like one chapter and and a little bonus. One and a bit chapters, yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll talk about the bonus when we get to it. But I think that's such an exciting thing that's happening. Um, Yeah. Oh, also, we're covering another bit, which is um, the about page. I mean, like, does this count as a chapter? It's got stuff in there that I think is worth us covering. We're actually going to be talking about the about page first. So if you haven't yeah. read that, you should go read it because it basically introduces three or four key concepts that are going to be very useful for us to be able yeah. to reference. Yeah, it, it feels so weird to be covering the about page in this way, Um, but yeah. it's written so fantastically and it has some really yes. important info as you said yeah. so we actually did feel like we really wanted to cover it if for no other reason that it introduces a few words that we were going to struggle to avoid using <laughs> uh being packed readers uh yes. so yeah we're very excited to uh I, I guess just get into it and start in i guess where everyone should start the I mean, it's effectively the blurb that would be on the back yeah. of the of the hard copy. You take a look at the back of the book, you read this, and uh, and then you think, "Wow, this is awesome! I got to read it." Um, so basically, the about page, uh, the the plot of it, I suppose, is it's discussing the three kind of broad ways that you can get caught up in the practices, which seems to be some kind of magic. Um, first is you can get born into it. Uh, families seem to have. Uh, you know, bloodlines of practices. The second is you can stumble into it by finding a, uh, you know, a lightener in your local library or something. Um, And third, the oldest and seemingly most dangerous way is you can meet a magical creature. And this seems to be the path, or no, it seems to be, it's explicitly (laughs) said to be the path that we are taking in this story. Yeah. And like, what I love about this about page is it could have just been a bit of an information dump, like the practices are magic. But it's written so evocatively, like, it doesn't say there's magic. It says, you know, no. there are esoteric traditions that predate computers yes. and even paper and bronze. That allow and you, you can, to, you know, 
control the wind or whatever. Yes, yeah, so you can make the wind listen to you or exchange your skin for that of a serpent. Like yeah, it's- okay. <laughs> Just hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Why is that an example of something that somebody would want to do? I just like, <laughs> I want to talk about that first of all, because like, oh yeah, make the wind listen to you. That's interesting. And like, okay, the third one is, you didn't say it, but call forth the sorts of monsters that appear in horror movies. And I'm like, okay, that's like not a great thing to do, but presumably it's something you could do as like a weapon, you know, like yeah, sit them on your yeah. enemies. But exchange your skin for that of a serpent. I'm really struggling to think like in what situation that would be useful. But I do love that it sets up the concept of you're not getting like thicker skin or anything. You're exchanging your skin for that of a serpent. And it's very specific wording that kind of implies that the inherent like monkey's paw that's probably baked into these kind of exchanges. Mm. Yeah, you're right. I I think the word exchange was chosen very deliberately. Yeah, uh, because you're right. Well, that just implies that you're paying a price for it, and that's something. Particularly the the end of the about page goes into that. There's yeah, there's costs associated uh, with with this stuff. Mm. But um, yeah. I just I just love how much flavor there was in this about page. Like it could have just been a, a like you know there's magic and uh you know there's three ways yeah. you can get into it and uh you know don't worry about the first uh, two we can talk about the third one basically yeah exactly whereas like there's all these examples and it's just written in in such a way that just made me go man there's so much to this yeah so one of the things i did as we were starting was i went back and read each of the about pages for each of Wabo's other works and it does feel significantly different to them um even including Packed, you know, uh, but all of them. Uh, it it's a lot more like full of prose, whereas the others seem to be. And maybe it's just because Wabo has evolved as a writer over time, but they seem to be kind of descriptions of what you can expect in the story. Whereas this one is very like it feels like it's a it it feels like you're it's doing the second way. Like you've you've accidentally stumbled across a book in a library, and that book <laughs> is pale, and you're kind of getting sucked into this world of magic through this about page. That's what it feels like to me, and I think that's great. Yeah, I like that. Um, I I want to again touch on these three examples of like m- magic, I guess, <laughs> that are discussed. Because I'm I'm one of the other reasons I went back through each Wabo work was to see if they if the about pages referred to specific powers. You know, like if in the worm about page, worms a story about superheroes. It said, oh, and you your superpower might be this, and then we meet that character later on in the story. None of them do that. None of them make explicit references to any like specific abilities so i'm not sure if these are ones that are going to be <laughs> incorporated later or they're just examples but i kind of like i i kind of am hoping to see some character that can exchange their skin for that of a serpent just to understand more about why they would do that so you're getting your theorizing tinfoil hat yeah. on early uh, for this cast yeah i mean you know when we did our previous show you were the one who hadn't read pack before and i had so i couldn't really theorize now i'm right. like going gung-ho on all my theories <laughs> out of the gate yeah, um, no, I tried to think on this after I saw you'd written that. The best I could come up with is it was, like, references to other things, mm. like making the wind listen to you. That's Avatar, the last yeah, airbender. Yeah, maybe airbending, yeah. Um, Harry Potter for the exchanging your skin for a serpent. I, d- I don't know if there's another one for the uh, the third example yeah. uh, for the horror movies, but yeah. I, that feels Cabin very in the woods, awesome. maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, like that feels like I'm just making that up. I think it's just yeah. a set of vivid examples Wilbo probably came up with. Yeah. Uh you know, just to make you go, what the fuck? Yeah, knowing Wilbo, I'm sure these are powers that he has thought about and probably like if included they're gonna be very minor, but he's got full fleshed out, you know, 
yeah, circumstances yeah. for how this skin wizard came about or whatever. <laughs> Um, so yeah uh, so we talk about the third way and the specific quote that that introduces this concept is the last way the old way the road we're going down to make that deal direct and starts talking about making deals with these creatures you know fairies or goblins and stuff like that um and it is very like deal with the devil imagery like crossroads deal style stuff which is obviously you know since this is a modern supernatural setting that has a lot of cultural baggage of like these deals aren't good ones to make. You never, no one ever really comes away with a positive experience from dealing with the devil, right? And so I'm excited <laughs> to see the the consequences and circumstances that surround what this deal is going to be. Yeah, I mean, nothing about the language of this about page gives you the impression that this is going to be a good way to go about yes. things, right? Yeah. Like you, it, you entirely set up as like, okay, like you know. And whether you have context of other Wildbow works and you know that, you know, it's not all happy roses for the protagonist, it's kind of like, you know that this is just going to be something where someone is ending up way over their head, uh, like, you know, way out of their depth. Yeah, Um, definitely. And then, like, you know, I think that's sort of followed up. I think the next line is is sort of the the teaser for this specific story where Mm -hmm. uh, where it just says, something terrible happened of a scale that words cannot easily convey. We need you to look into it. No need to solve it. Simply look into it. And like I I love that because it's just like you don't have to solve it. We just need you to look, which seems so low stakes and it just mm. immediately raises alarm bells for me. I'm just like, okay, so this is gonna go fucking terribly. Yeah, I mean yeah, the no need to solve it, simply look into it is like it's it's basically Bullshit. saying winking to us as the reader that this is a story about solving this thing and whatever <laughs> happens, the, the, the character that has to solve it is going to, uh, or that has to look into it is going to get more embroiled than they initially meant to. <laughs> like that's almost explicitly what this teaser is saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, so let's talk about the name pale. Um, why not? Uh, pale. So obviously, Wabo works have uh, you know ironic or multi-layered titles. Um, when I'm thinking of pale, I'm thinking of like uh, like monsters that might have like pale skin, which traditionally probably means a vampire is the thing that jumps to your mind. But maybe like ghosts or fairies as well, are kind of like that, or maybe like a wizard or a magician. You know, we don't have a word for what it is people who do this magic is. So I'm just going to call them wizards. Um, a wizard who is like sun averse for some reason i don't know i'm trying to think like what's the first layer meaning that that this could be and i'm not really sure yeah i mean obviously i associate like the moon like with like you know pale lighting yeah um and obviously the moon featured somewhat heavily uh in the prologue that we're about to get into um but also like I, i think the definition that i tended to focus on a lot more was you know pale as in like inferior like if something pales in comparison yeah Um, and and, you know we're talking about how potentially our protagonist is going to be someone making a deal with one of these magical creatures and you just can't help but think they're going to be someone who pales in comparison to everything they're dealing with like some poor schmuck who's just you know way out of their depth Uh, i i think so too i think the second meaning is are you familiar with the phrase beyond the pale Yes. Okay, so the the origin of this phrase is like this part of Ireland that was known as the Pale that was like controlled. And so beyond the Pale meant something that was out of the bounds of the norm, right? Like yeah. beyond the Pale means something going outside the bounds of the norm. And so presumably Pale 
I kind of see it being set up as like something the story might start out with things seeming like they're in the bounds of what is standard but obviously the the implication is that it's going to move beyond that pale at some point right um i'm sure like other sci-fi and fantasy books have used the term beyond the pale to refer to like you know like the afterlife or spirit worlds or, or what well, have you beyond, like behind the veil is kind of in that yeah. vein as well but yeah um and then beyond obviously beyond the pale kind of is uh inferred also from the tagline of the serial which is beyond a doubt right yeah so the word yeah. beyond kind of comes up next to pale like okay it suggests that to me but then beyond a doubt is also interesting because again yes it's a common phrase but i feel like it's gonna mean something more like for some reason a character is going to go beyond doubt in some way and i don't really know what that means but i just know that it's gonna happen well it looks like at least at first we've sort of got a bit of a uh murder i don't know if that's the right word uh but you know there's some sort of murder mystery going on and you know there's obviously like beyond a doubt in terms of like proving convictions uh in the legal sense yeah so yeah um could be something to do with that as well yeah um so as we leave the about page i'm just going to call out the things that it explicitly brings up that means we can refer to them without going into packed spoilers uh three things one is the practices exist there's magic okay cool there's magic in this world we can talk about that so the practices it seems to be the term used for magic at the start of this blurb yeah yep um there's uh, they make reference to others a few times in this about page which seems to refer to like otherworldly creatures e.g fae slash fairies goblins ghosts or in air quotes things straight out of horror films basically spooky monsters yeah, and then obviously the other thing it says is that others um, can't lie. Yes, yeah, which I think will might become important. We'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I just have to talk about, so the end of this ends with a disclaimer of like, of course, this is all fictional, like any references are accidental, blah, blah, blah. And the final line is, if you run into anything that resembles some of the more dangerous things in this story, seek a priest or a counselor. It's <laughs> just a great little line to slip into the end of that disclaimer. Um, I love how it opens with priest as well. So it's yeah. just, give, you know, this disclaimer is giving you the benefit of the doubt. So. <laughs> <sighs> um, and with that, should we talk about the actual chapter, which is Blood Run Cold 0.0? Let's start talking about the actual story now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is this is a prologue. I think the new chapter's out already. And so this yes. is just the single chapter prologue that we're dealing yep. with here. Yep. Um, and it deals with a character called Louise, who uh, we'll kind of learn more about over the course of the chapter. But it basically starts right inside her head as she hears this animal howl um, and kind of hears this e- ethereal howl and starts hallucinating bloody tears that start pouring out of her eyes. I, and I mean, good thing they're just hallucinations, because mm. at first I was worried they were real, but she says it's okay, they're just hallucinations, yes. and so they're just fake and nothing's wrong. Yes, we should touch on this. It seems that nothing that happens in this chapter is real. Uh, everything is just a hallucination, and presumably <laughs> the next chapter, the next chapter that's already come out, is just um, her visiting her counsellor and up, upping her meds dosage, and then that's the end of the story. Um, I mean, to be fair, though, like, if I w- was on medication that someone had told me might <laughs> yes. cause hallucinations, and then I started seeing giant dogs and the moon bleeding, yeah. I would be hoping with all of my heart that it was the drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. So, uh, yeah, Louise. Uh, this chapter just makes you feel so bad for Louise, right? Um Yeah. Except maybe the very end where you get a slight bit of a happy ending for her. 
this entire pe- chapter is in her perspective, and and basically the one beat that it continuously hits is how much chronic pain she is in constantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely spent most of the chapter feeling really sorry for her. We do learn some things uh, just before the end that make me feel like a, a little bit less well, bad for her. Yeah, in some ways we can talk about that when we get there. But um, I mean, you're right. I think the thing that really got to me with all this is it's not just all the chronic pain that she's experiencing, but the way she's framing it in her internal monologue because it's it's like. Mm you know, she's experiencing pains that are ridiculous for someone her age. I think she says she's 35. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, it's like she has to double check her medications, which is something someone twice her age would have to do. So it's it's not just frames that, like, she's very sort of infirm, but also... It's, it's, it's like, unnatural it's, for her to be so... Yeah. yeah. And, there's, and there's a greater sense of loss because, like, the way she's framing all this, it really makes it sound like she feels like she hasn't really gotten to live her life yet. Mm. So it's like her life is ending. It, it, it's already sort of you know sunsetting yeah. and yeah and she hasn't really lived it yet and so there's just that extra layer of tragedy on top of all the like you know all the other bad stuff yeah it it is tragic right it is a really tragic vibe from louise yeah yeah um so she sees this howl and she kind of checks it out sees a gigantic dog <laughs> in equits hallucination um, and kind of goes, okay, I, this is a hallucination, I shouldn't deal with this. And then we get this line where it says, driven by impulse, she stepped off of her front porch. Um, and that's so suspicious, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know what it means exactly, but the fact that a sentence like driven by impulse in a story where we know there's shenanigans going on, basically, <laughs> always raises red flags of like, Something is manipulating the situation here, whether that's fate, whether that's a character intentionally doing it, like whether that's Louise's curiosity and she's just kind of masking it as something else. I'm just like, that can't just be impulse. Like, it's never just impulse, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, this is curious, uh, to say the least. Yes. I mean, th- there is a thing she mentions, I think every time this this creature howls, um, she she sort of notes how it affects her emotionally. Yeah. Um. So like I I think maybe you're right. Like I wouldn't be surprised to learn that there's something in in its how that is like meant to be. In fact, I'll get to my full theory later on on what yeah. I think is is happening right here. But I I think you may be right that the how is actually designed to make her more sympathetic like, and more yeah, likely to try in and help or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Totally. It, it's it's interesting because obviously this well yeah i guess we'll talk about what we think about this curious incident of this dog in the nighttime later on but it i'm 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 interested to hear what whether you feel like this dog is a a villainous force or not because there's kind of a few conflicting little bits right like louise feels sympathy and sadness towards it but also it's how like makes her cry bloody tears and um later on yeah uh, characters who seem to know a bit more about what's going on kind of toe the line between calling it scary and sad um yeah i I guess i'm just interested to hear more about what you think it is yeah i mean i can get into that now uh just Mm. let me scroll down to find my notes on it because they're a bit further down maybe let's get into it later when when more stuff is revealed i guess um yeah louise decides to play the investigator and follow this big red dog under the bloody moon tracking it all throughout the town that she lives in called kennett and kind of giving us a bit of um like musing on kennett as a town as she goes through it yeah this is sort of our our introduction to to kennett as we go yeah 
Um, but I love, I, I just want to bring up at this point as she's following this, how kind of, how this doesn't at all make physical sense. Like we're entering a world with magic and you really feel that because she's able to track this thing using the moon. Mm. And that doesn't make sense if you think mm. about how the moon normally operates it's too far <laughs> away yeah uh, and it's like and it's dripping the blood this whole the whole time directly on the dog which again like yeah, that doesn't, doesn't really make sense, make sense. yeah and um, i think um to to pull out a, an explicit confirmation by uh by wabo here it's meant to be like a bit difficult to visualize this scene like yeah uh, well, it's very, it's like, very magical mean yeah exactly but it, um, it is intentionally a bit of a head trip for louise and for us as the audience yeah yeah uh like that was definitely the vibe i got because like there's also constant mentions of how like sound isn't carrying right like yeah. you know she's often hearing these sounds as if the the dog is sort of right next to her even when it isn't so there's all this sort of stuff going on with perception being fucked with and, and that really establishes how sort of mystical and magical this all is mm. it's very otherworldly yeah definitely um yeah so should we let's touch on Kennet a bit it's a kind of iconic supernatural story small town kind of vibe right hell yeah it's um modern enough that we can relate to it but small enough of a town that weird shit can kind of have this seedy underbelly that goes unnoticed by many and that still feels plausible it's it's the iconic uh supernatural setting <laughs> it absolutely is like uh, this sort of opens with Louise like gets in her car and she's immediately driving through the forest and I was pretty much already picturing like this sort of temperate like forest in fact let's be honest I was picturing the forests of Vancouver because that's where like every supernatural tv show is filmed yes um but yeah like I was already and it, she, she actually pulls into town and I was already like yeah this is exactly what I was picturing a fucking small town that is the setting for so many supernatural stories like this because it's just such a good one yeah, maybe we should touch on the idea that the small town murder mystery also is a bit of a a, a trope. You know, you've got things like, well, I guess the, the big one that I would pull out is something like Twin Peaks, right? Where we've got small town supernatural murder mystery. <laughs> and it mm. seems like this is the genre we're starting to settle into, which is one that I really enjoy. Whether it's a small town yeah, supernatural so. murder mystery or a small town regular murder mystery, I'm, I'm keen to, <laughs> to dive into it more, basically. Yeah, same. Although, I mean, the fun twist here, obviously, is that it's not quite a person who got murdered from the woods. No, it's a dog, a big spirit dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, Louise follows the ghost dog uh, and she passes by a gas station where she notices some chill teens hanging out and, and shooting the shit, as well as some other things, right? Yeah, like... she, starts, she starts going down the stairs into the main part of town and there's some other monkey-like things on the stairs with her. Yeah, basically these little, I don't know, like they're, they're, and I guess this is something that we're going to see a lot, and a theme that runs throughout the entirety of this prologue is uh, Louise's senses being untrustworthy, right? Um, whether yeah. she thinks that's due to her hallucination or just kind of the weirdness in this town seeming like she can never quite get a handle on it, right? Like she can't quite make out the features of these I don't know, chimpanzee beasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> or there's a, a part later where she notes that uh, she can't quite look at the face of a character. Um, yeah. Things that just quite can't quite be perceived. Yeah, it, it's that sort of thing. And because, you know, that conversation later, I think uh, Matthew, the guy, kind of starts to go into how when you're sort of close to death or whatever, you start to be able to see these more mm. magical things. Yeah. And it seems like she's right on the border of that. So she yes. can kind of she's noticing these things which i guess must be around a lot more than than you know right now but 
Um, she she's not quite at the point where she can fully see everything. So you know, like she can see that woman, but she can't see the face for some yeah. reason. Yeah, uh, she's seeing silhouettes of of these little thick of these little creatures, but she can't actually see what they look like. Um, it's it's like it, it adds that sort of sense as well that this could all be a hallucination, and this is all something she could just forget. Because she, she's not like fully confirmed exactly how crazy and magical it all is. What if we get to a point in this story where we think we're unraveling the murder mystery, and then it turns out, oh no, like seven eighths of this chapter was just a hallucination, <laughs> and, and most of this didn't actually happen. There's like one real bit that happened, but most of it was just a hallucination. That would be an interesting be. choice. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I started to feel even more sorry for Louise here because um, yeah, yeah. She, she starts to become really convinced that she is just insane. She can't bring herself to not keep following the dog, which yes. again maybe points to some of your your theories about that not being completely her decision. Yes. Um. But like you know, she's getting walks, people sort of whispering as she's running by. She's very self conscious because she hasn't like showered in yeah. a couple of days or something. Um. Like you know, she just feels like that crazy person you know, running through town sort of causing mayhem. And yeah. I mean, you know, you just made that joke before, but I think we all know that she's probably not hallucinating. No, almost certainly. So it, this is all <laughs> legitimately happening. Um, yeah. So it's heartbreaking. <laughs> yes. No, it's pretty rough. Um, not in the least because these little monkey things, whatever, um, they seem to be following this dog as well. And Louise kind of joins them for a for a bit but we don't actually while we do get bits and pieces of what's happening with the dog later on we don't actually hear hear more about these chimps right like these little mm. critters they mm. i don't know they they behave in some interesting ways they they do a thing where it's like they'll get to the edge of town and then they'll stop they clearly don't want to go into civilization or where there's more light slash more people so there's, there's still a few beats around these gremlins that i'm not really sure I'm not really sure what they are, and we, it, it'll be interesting to see how that gets resolved going forward. Yeah, uh, well, let's swing back to the whole thing where they stop at sort of the edge of civilization in a bit, because I, I think that comes up again later. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, then uh, Louise continues to follow this ghost dog all the way to the Kennet Arena, which is a, a big hockey rink, basically a sports rink. Um, and uh, when she's there, she bumps into an old classmate who seems justifiably i think concerned about her <laughs> i'm gonna lie this moment really worked on me because like you know with everything sort of going on in in the world uh right now as we're re recording this in in may 2020 yeah um i i went to get takeaway a few days ago not gonna lie i was not in the best uh shape or, or outfit as i went and i ran into my old boss when i was there and it was mm. just like god i wish i had like shaved and yeah not not worn my pajamas out to the, <laughs> to the takeaway shop to run into my old boss. So I, I felt I felt this moment so viscerally. I was just like, oh, oh, I was, Ooh, I was really, hurts. really, really hurts. that night. Um, so I, I feel for you, Louise. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then obviously like uh, so Lincoln, her old classmate. Yes. He just seems like such a cool person. Like yeah, um, he seems pretty cool, doesn't he? I was really torn between wanting Louise to just accept his help and and make everything get better but also I, I did kind of want as a reader i was like lincoln fuck off i want to see what the deal is with the giant dog mm. like you know sorry <laughs> sorry louise but uh, you know so we need you, to find out about the dog be sacrificed <laughs> for our understanding <laughs> um yeah it's interesting whenever we're in a story at the start of a story even in a prologue like this and we see a character like lincoln and it's like 
is this just an old classmate and it's a one and done thing or is this guy going to be an important part of the story um yeah well especially when you got a setting like this like a small town because yes like you know a, a big thing that louise keeps noting is as we're seeing everyone in this chapter is like most people she can sort of say oh, i think that's related to so and so yeah you, you either know everyone or you know someone you know who knows them, them. At least. yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like it's hard not to think, oh, is Lincoln going to come back? Is he going to be vital in, in arc three? Yeah, I think it's pretty fair to say it seems at this point that Lincoln is just a one and done little side character that Wabo wrote to flesh out our world a little bit, but maybe, maybe. Um, and also yeah. the thing that's interesting to me is Lincoln and to a lesser extent, some other kind of tertiary people that we see later on are obstacles right they're obstacles for louise to continue following this thing something is drawing her to continue to follow this dog right whether that's her unconsciousness or her unconscious or something else and and lincoln is an obstacle that is being put in her way and I, i'm not confident enough to say that that's just being put in her way by, by wabo the author or if it's <laughs> some like in-universe thing trying to get her to not you know follow this thread um which makes me think there's maybe possibly a bit more going on with lincoln than we might see at first <laughs> yeah i guess we'll find out that's the thing you you can't know at this point like i i'm not confident putting down <laughs> like predictions either way on any yeah. of this stuff like yeah. it, like i could see any of these being true yeah yeah we'll see uh, i am confident putting down predictions though lincoln is not going to be a major character but there's going to be a bit more to why he got in her way here than we first thought that's, that's lincoln's my... the big bad lincoln's to lock it in exactly. um uh so louise uh kind of gets to the uh the ka as they call it um the arena and uh kind of is looking around and notices the moon is no longer bleeding and seems to kind of be slipping out of this state of 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 noticing a lot of these things um until she then kind of finds stains matching the blood and body of the great beast and it seems like it has died here it's fallen down and kind of disintegrated into stains on the ground yeah so quickly something i want to pull from here is we just talked about how the little uh monkey things seemed to stop when they hit like proper civilization i think it was like the street lights yeah they, that they weren't willing to go into yeah um and, and, and wait, I've definitely got the vibe from those things that they were like scavengers. Mm. Um, like they, I, I assumed they were following the dog, waiting to to you know feast on the kill, I suppose. Um, and what I couldn't help but notice is Louise has sort of three options for how to get around the KA. She tries the left, but there's traffic, and and that all seems like too much for her. And then she go, she looks going through the building, and it's full of people, and she's not about that. So she ends up going around the right. And the ride is like dark. She's sort of hunching her way through bushes. Yeah, she pushes through and, like a hedge. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and and like you know, it's all this great imagery for sort of her being in the dark, and or she's like pushing through the dark to to get the revelations mm. and, and whatnot. But like the, the sort of the way that she has her option of sort of going through society and through people, and she chooses this sort of backwards, you know, dark path. Uh, I think is maybe sort of giving us a, a bit of a framing for where exactly she's at in this situation mm. like she's by pushing through to see this dog she is kind of leaving um the acceptance of society i think and you know because she's kind of doubling down on yeah her, what, what she would view as her being crazy right now and and i think yeah. this is that uh sort of captured yeah and and to put a more explicit beat on that she's doing the same thing that these little gremlin chimps did right of yeah intentionally avoiding society and avoiding 
you know, the light as it were, which, which kind of seems like it's starting to say, Louise, you're, you're starting to blur the line between your world and the seedy magical world that you're pushing into. Yeah. It also does not bode well. No. Yeah. No, definitely (laughs) not. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, let's talk about this dog a bit now that we kind of get to the point of its death and it disintegrates in the ground. I, I guess the comparison I want to make straight off the bat is it feels, uh, yeah, the the line that we're trying to toe here is, is it scary or is it sympathetic? Is it one or the other or is it both or, or what is it, right? And Louise definitely doesn't isn't scared by it at any point. She kind of gets to this point of being like awe-inspired by it just because it's a huge spiritual bloody red dog. Um, and we get this point of when she finally realizes no it's dead like she finally starts to feel the cold for example and and uh this this kind of rush of uh of of reality coming back to hit her um uh, the comparison i want to make is it feels like it's a it's like a like a great spiritual beast like um hey by the the spirit of the forest in avatar the last airbender where it's this thing that depending on your context and relationship to it it could be a, a aggressive or a nurturing force but it's neither really, it's just kind of a, a spiritual embodiment of some powerful thing, uh, a kind of fundamental force of the universe, you know? That's what it feels like to me. I definitely was getting major, like, you know, giant nature spirit vibes yeah. from it as yeah. well. Like, it's some sort of local important spirit is definitely the vibe I've gotten. Um it, it's funny, the first time I was reading through this, I definitely read the um, the giant beast as much more, like, intimidating and kind of scary. Yeah. And I thought it was moving with, like, this sort of purpose, like it might have been on the attack. And, and it was really only the second time, as I was already more closely, I realized, I think it was actually, I think the chapter starts with it being dealt the blow that kills it. Mm. And I think everything we're seeing is it, like, it getting to civilization, I think it was trying to die as publicly as possible, mm. so that you know somebody would walk into it i guess yeah um to draw and, attention and, to its own murder. yeah and so i think that's where you know all the stuff we've been talking about like with the howl and the way it kind of compels maybe louise to to help i think that might have been like what it was trying to do because mm. especially like all the imagery when we're first introduced to this this um giant wolf creature is like you know it's got its tail down sort of between its legs like yeah i think it was already scared and dying and in pain when we first meet it and this whole thing yes. is basically it's its final steps you know the the classic crime scene thing where you you walk you know you've got the person who's been shot and they walk somewhere where everyone can see them to try and help <laughs> yeah, help them get assault collapse on the sundial yeah. pointing to m and s <laughs> his last breath right <laughs> yeah exactly like i think i think that's what's been happening here and it's um it's interesting how different that read was like when i sort of started on that my second read through you can suddenly see how everything this beast in do- is doing is just kind of sad and pained whereas before mm. i was much more thinking oh you know it's slow but it's powerful and dangerous it's, it's, yeah. it's not it's it's you know marching to its death yeah yeah it, it yeah i want to dive into that a bit more because i think we as readers when we see that we when we see a description of a huge gigantic red kind of dog or wolf um whatever whichever it's we naturally assume that that's a scary thing, right? Because it is a giant monster. Like, it is a bit... Yeah. You'd be right to assume that's scary. And actually, characters in the story who know what's going on, we meet, like, Matthew. He um, assumes that Louise would have been scared by it, even though she wasn't, even though she kind of got to the point of seeing it as sympathetic. Um, and, and maybe it even is... 
the fact that Louise lives out of town means that she has a better attunement to things like this, you know, whether it's that's kind of a forest spirit. And so because she lives out in the forest, it's she's kind of attuned with it slightly or or something not as explicit. But there definitely seems to be a bit of a duality to it that I think is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of get the impression when it's not already mortally wounded, uh, this Mm. giant dog is probably pretty fucking intimidating. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 we should call out the moon imagery as well because obviously it's a wolf. A, a wolf it howls at the moon, um, and the moon starts to bleed when it's injured. Like possibly a moon spirit is something that we're talking about here. Um, but we don't really yeah, have enough maybe. information to pin it down. I don't think. Knowing Wildbo, it'll probably be something a little like an, an extra layer. There's always an extra layer yeah, sure. or, or something. Yeah. Um, that that I, I can't predict, but in retrospect, seems obvious. Um, I actually did do some reading. I was trying to find like you know research on north american native like moon or wolf spirits yep. particularly around like the north shore of of lake superior yep um i kind of had no idea what i was doing though so i didn't manage to find anything but um <laughs> yeah that was that was my first uh guess was that it was something something from uh sort of you know the what like you know the native people from that area their sort of mythology but couldn't find anything yeah um yeah, so basically Louise finds that this thing has died and as she's kind of figuring out what her next step should be, she seems to almost be lost now that she's found it and it's dead. Um, she overhears some strangers also trying to figure out what they should do next. Yep, just a bunch of normal people doing normal people things. Yeah. Um, so to quickly run through them, because uh, just, just so we, we all know, because it's like the the knowledge we get about them is so spread out throughout this thing that I, I thought it was helpful to summarise. Um, so the obviously there's the guy Matthew who mm-hmm. has um sort of kissing based reversed vampire powers. Yes. Um, there's Edith who wears a toque and she is Matthew's life partner. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a bunch of children of the corn. Um, and some of them are practicing for their glee clubs upcoming regionals. Yep. And uh, there's some sort of like I'm just gonna call her like a faceless woman because yeah. obviously the universe is seemingly contriving very hard to make sure louise cannot see her face yeah we can just call her the faceless woman i think um yeah okay can we talk about the the gleek club children um (laughs) do you think these are the same as the other chimp things we saw because they are also kind of child-sized although these ones seem slightly different yeah i don't think so i think they might be two separate things Mm. but i'll admit that was something that came after my first read through definitely the first time i was reading through i thought they were the same thing um, I'm not as sure anymore. Yeah, I, I kind of have this feeling that they're different, but I couldn't really put my finger on why. Yeah, no, me either. Um, so now we get to the part where the, the real theories start to fly, right? This is the part of the <laughs> prologue where we're really in the theorizing zone. Because um, obviously it seems like these characters are going to be at least somewhat important to the ongoing story. Um, it seems like, well, this isn't really a prediction, I guess, to start with, but uh, obviously some of these people aren't human. <laughs> um, the children <laughs> of the corn and the faceless woman uh clearly not human right like that's just basically not com- obvious not completely at least like i doubt they're just regular normal humans at the very yeah. least they've done the equivalent of exchanging their skin for that of a for serpent, of serpent you know? yeah totally <laughs> um we get matthew and edith who I-, I think edith doesn't seem human matthew seems the most human that we've seen uh, yeah maybe a wizard um could be something else uh I mean, he's tell. definitely something because he he does the whole kissing vampire thing. But so that, he's at least a wizard. Yes, he, yes, sure. <laughs> he he has to be at least a wizard, if not more. Um, 
Yeah, it, but he does, like, I don't know. Okay, maybe we should get to this. As far as we know about others from the About page and from how creepy those gremlin things were before, they're villains, they're monsters, right? Um, but Matthew, if he's a wizard or if he's another, we're not sure, but he seems to take a few actively kind steps towards Louise, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, he seems like a cool dude. Like, you yeah. know, he's no Lincoln. Yeah, and um, it's, well, yeah, but, of course. Or is he? Uh, well, maybe they're one of the same. <laughs> oh, man, we're really going wild ah, with the theories already. Yes. Um, yeah, no, like, yeah, he's, he seems like a nice dude. I mean, yeah. he's obviously somewhat self-motivated here. I'm not entirely sure exactly in what way, um, but he, he does seem somewhat genuinely interested in helping Louise out or, you know, making her go away in a way that is pretty good for her. Well, yeah, it's not just making her... F- forget stuff right because that's i get the sense she would kind of agree to that anyway um it's the additional step of and here look we'll throw this in i'll take away some of your pain so yeah what happens is matthew offers her a deal to basically say i'll help you forget this has ever happened so that you don't get too embroiled in it but i will as a little bonus i'll take away some of your chronic pain (laughs) yeah yeah so that seems like a pretty cool move yeah um you know, I guess it's a wild boy work. I can never 100% give someone the the complete benefit of the doubt, even mm. when they do something nice. But uh, mm. yeah, I, I I agree. Like the the woman whose face we can't see that that fact makes me immediately less trusting of her. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally right. It just feels, and although she doesn't, she also seems to be pretty on the level. Like she is pretty aligned mm. with Matthew about. They kind of argue about the semantics of what they should do, but. I think she's pretty on the level with them about, you know, not not treating Louise poorly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but no, so at the moment, I'm assuming that these guys are somehow involved in the death of this spirit, just from some of the phrasing they use early in the conversation. Or th- at the very least, they're nervous about being connected to its death. Yes. Um, they, they talk about being nervous about bringing outsiders in, which is also very interesting. You know, it's mm. the classic... It, this is the, I guess, the magical version of not wanting the feds to come in. Yeah. Um, you know, so th- th- and that's a staple of your small town uh, murder mystery. So, yeah. so it's good. It's good to see that we'll get, be getting the magical equivalent of that. <laughs> um, I wonder if maybe they were they were tasked with protecting this thing, and and now um, they've failed. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Um. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess to touch on the dog again, like, seems like the death of this dog is. A tragedy whatever it is it's something that shouldn't have happened and we get that the bit in the about page of uh of something terrible happening and you need to look into it we don't actually get those lines in this prologue but it does um seem like this is the incident that is being referred to I, i'd assume so like it's the basis of the prologue yeah um it would make sense yeah um so yeah, I guess the one other thing I want to touch on is the idea that in the about page we talked about the three ways of entering the world, and this doesn't feel like it's any of them. This doesn't feel like, like it definitely doesn't feel like the number three that is explicitly called out as the way that we're doing. Yeah, um, even though Louise is making a deal with this potential devil, it doesn't really give us these vibes of that's how she's getting embroiled. Um, yeah, 
I don't get the impression that Louise is going to be the protagonist. Like, you don't no. do a prologue and have it from the perspective of your protagonist. So I yes. think she's just going to be a witness uh, maybe our protagonist deals with later. Yeah, it is explicitly referenced by Matthew as part of this deal that she might have to talk to somebody later who might investigate with her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Louise ends up taking this deal and has a kind of a few moments of her mind slipping away before she wakes back up at home with much less pain than she should have. Yeah. Um, so one thing I want to touch on here is like as part of sort of making this deal, and I guess it feels like she's getting vetted uh, by yeah. Matthew. Yeah. She gives them like the history and, and details of her health issues. And like, obviously it's tra- tragic, but you know, she, she kind of jokes a couple of times throughout the chapter that, you know, oh, you know me, I can't take care of myself. Mm. And then, like, the first thing she does the next morning is goes and has, she's like, well, I'm feeling way better. I'm going to have my cigarette early. (laughs) Come on, Louise. Like, Uh... um, uh, the biggest tragedy of Louise's story, I think, is that she's not changing in her ways. We've talked a lot about, like, her impulse. Like, she she followed this thing on impulse. Um, I mean, hedonistic doesn't seem like quite the right word, but she's probably someone who is... She's not a long-term planner, I guess, is, mm. is what I would say about Louise. So it may, may, may not have been that supernatural, this, this thing that, you know, gave her the impulse to follow it. Because I think she's <laughs> yeah, just someone who kind of follows hard. her whims. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, I, th- I think she's someone who indulges her impulses um, perhaps too regularly. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and I guess the, this chapter ends with some neighbours coming in to check on her and, and both her and the neighbours having this weird vibe of, something happened but we don't really know what um as their kind of memories slip away yeah it really sells the whole like something wrong happened on a fundamental level from the about page in the sense that even these people who you know don't know anything about magic are sort of looking around the hills being like something's something's wrong yeah 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 exactly um and and sort of semi-related to that like i'm backtracking a bit um I love how what Matthew did with Louise had to be a kiss as well, because <laughs> it made it so much more uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. Like, if it had been, you know, he references that it doesn't work quite as well if he held her hand. But you can see, like, if he just sort of shook her hand and she started to feel, you know, 60% as better as she did, you'd be like, oh, you know, that's cool. Like, yeah. you know, he just did her a solid. The fact that it has to be a kiss where he has to, like, force her to stay kissing him because of all the, like, bitter taste as the the pain is being sucked out of her yeah just makes the whole thing feel so much less okay yeah it's more invasive right it 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 is just more invasive and and uh off-putting yeah and and that's what makes like the whole thing like uh, you know i was saying i don't think matthews as good as lincoln and it's stuff like this that stains my perspective on like how just good he can be because it's like the the fact is this is a guy who came out, like, helped her, made her forget bad things, or uh, I don't know whether I call that good or not, but, you know, also, like, took away her pain, and I still left away with this impression of him maybe not being that great, which is yeah. an impressive thing to do, <laughs> considering what he did was make her feel better. I mean, yeah, he, he explicitly helped her more than Lincoln did, right? But mm-hmm. um, because he's creepy, <laughs> it doesn't leave as good of a taste in your mouth, literally, for Louise. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I doubt, like, you know, like, I have enough trust in Wobbo at this point to like think that that's exactly what he's trying to yes, do. Yes, yes. Um, so like it just leaves you with this little shred of doubt about Matthew and how legit he is. Yeah. Um, but that's where this chapter ends. Uh, I, I put in a picture of the um, banner art for this chapter as well, which is um, a picture of a bunch of blood-stained swords in the snow, uh, basically, and some strange sigils. 
which just give a creepy vibe. I don't know if there's any explicit things being called out. You can kind of see a half shadow of a woman behind one of these trees, which is maybe the faceless woman, but I don't think there's anything explicit being pointed out in this art. It's just kind of setting this creepy, unsettling uh, murder scene. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, we know this uh, this this wolf thing seemingly had its throat slashed based yep. on some observations Louise makes after it's passed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this could be footage of something to do with the murder scene. I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't quite know how this ties into the prologue. It'll probably make sense uh, later in the story. Yeah. Um, and that's the end of the prologue. Uh, so before the first actual chapter, we also got this brochure for ex- basically a brochure advertising Experience Kennet, uh, which contained a map and, and some key uh, areas around Kennet, and also contained some notes made by some other character. Um, presumably the protagonist. Presumably, um, yes. I, I mean, I, first of all, we should talk about how cool this is. Like, uh, this extra material is such a great bonus bit of content to get uh injected into the wildbo formula yeah like it's it just feels fun and, and fresh it um, makes the world feel more alive like i i yeah uh, used to when i was younger go to threadbow an australian ski resort yeah very often when i was growing up and this is the exact kind of shit that they have like it's very on brand <laughs> for a ski resort so it's just kind of like oh yeah cool 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 yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm already kind of using my childhood memories of Jindabyne as a bit yeah, of a yeah, yeah, totally. map to Kennet. Um, y- yes, uh, like I, I agree. Like I think ha- having a map is just nice to like. I know that's sort of a, a whole debate as to whether that sort of thing's needed. I think it's cool. Um, I I definitely used it the second time I was reading through the prologue for this recording yeah. to like understand exactly where Louise went. Um, uh, like yeah, I'm excited to see what else we get. Like you know whether it's visual or or like you know little bonus bits of text or whatever i think it's just such a cool way to kind of inject variety into the story that doesn't require like bonus chapters or something you know yeah the other thing i like is it's it's so ripe for theory crafting of which parts are going to become relevant right yeah oh this this brochure in particular is a massive tease like, yeah this totally. is just this is just while both stacking imagery together just to fuck yes. with everyone like like the shopping list is like <laughs> I'm sure everyone's read into the shopping list yes. way more than, than we need to. Even the even the map, though, like the arena obviously has some significance already just by being the place where this thing died. But the two things that are marked out, there's gas stations, there's uh, sports areas, there's ski slopes, and then there's two churches marked. And, you know, mm. this is a modern supernatural setting. It's probably fair to assume uh, that religion is going to be at least somewhat important in the iconography of this world and so the fact that there are two churches marked on this i'm kind of like well which one of these is going to be important (laughs) or like reading through the list of the other places marked on the map which is like a beer market the kennett cinema public school wavy tree yoga and dance atv and dirt bike (laughs) rental i'm like "Mm, which ones of these are going to be important to the story (laughs) there's a ontario liquor and cannabis which presumably is going to be very relevant hopefully (laughs) yeah no it's just it's so much fun like this whole thing as you said the last page is just the one that is designed to to fuck with your brain and make you go nuts trying to interpret it yeah um we also get sort of confirmation that we're in ontario yes in, in this one so it's sort of um you know i think it says you get views of the western side of yeah a view lake of, superior a view of western ontario's hills and icy lake superior right yeah so pre- presumably on the western shore of 
of uh, or or would you be on the eastern shore looking at the western coast? <sighs> I don't know. I don't, don't, don't ask me yeah. to do geography, Elliot. <laughs> anyway, the point is, somewhere around Lake Superior. So, like, it, it's just fun how much information this gave us. Yes. The other thing that this points out to us is uh, three characters, right? Like, it hints at three characters referred to as L, V, and A. Um, mm. uh, I wasn't fully sold on that until I noticed the sticky note had, like, three sets of what I assume are little checkboxes. Yes. Um, uh, so, yeah. yeah. And on the I map, it's like three, mar- three paths marked to a key place for 530. Like, yeah. it does feel like it's three characters. Um, yeah. Yeah, the Ron, Harry, and Hermione. Exactly. The, the and I story. think we can just call them Ron, Harry, and Hermione for the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, well, that's what LVA stands for. Yep. <laughs> LeRon, Varry, and Hermione. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um... I mean, there's a shopping list full of things that are clearly dodgy and something's going on with them. Uh, they need to collect yeah. a bunch of somewhat regular groceries, and then it gets a little bit weird. Um, there's a picture <laughs> of a knife, I think what is a needle and thread, an hourglass, a skull, a coin, and a box that says something ours, and this is, like, underlined. So obviously this yeah. is some kind of ritual, right? Like, <laughs> that, yeah. that is immediately what it signifies to me. Yes. Um. Well, we should be completely honest. I, I think we have a fairly good idea what oh, ritual this no. might be. Um. No way. Based on having read Pact. Yeah. Um. But I mean, with that in mind, what what we've decided to do, uh, to help with speculating in a way that you know doesn't involve someone who's read Pact mm. uh, to level us with all the pale people. Um. We've brought somebody on to help. Yes. So uh, we've brought in our special guests to do some. Um unspoiled theorizing i guess we'll call it <laughs> non-packed spoiled theorizing um welcome hannah and georgia devold from uh, the acclaimed devold family plays video games on twitch <laughs> show <laughs> hey hi hi everyone yes um, uh so yeah we've we've brought you on because uh you you both haven't read packed which i find very personally offensive because you know, <laughs> should have kept up with family dynamic Look, one day <laughs> One day it'll happen. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, I mean, it's it's paying dividends now. Um, but yeah, so I think just to just to get everyone up to speed on where you're at, I think Georgia, you've read a tiny bit of Worm and now a bit of Pale. Uh, yes. And Hannah, you have read all of Worm and most of Ward. Yeah, about two thirds of Ward, I think, at this point. And yeah, read Worm. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, so I guess w- what we've really got you here for though is to get your opinions as people who haven't read Pact of what the hell might be going on in this prologue of pale yep yep yeah so what do you think's uh going on so far well, look it's pretty hard <laughs> there's a yeah. lot of mystery there's not a lot in the prologue to go off of yeah um i think yeah i just basically i kind of felt that maybe these random people release some sort of demon somehow and yeah. now they don't know how to get it back and some big organization is going to come and get them um and Louise is just a bystander maybe just for this one prologue because she doesn't seem like a big character, so not sure she's actually going to stay in the story. Yeah. Or if she is, it she'll just be minor. I mean, first things first, it seems like it's set in a world that is essentially our world but with magic. Mm-hmm. So all the, yeah, it, it, there's like a gas station and teenagers doing teenager stuff. Um but most people don't seem to know about yeah. The magic. Yeah, it's like a secret. And it seems like, you know, Louise wasn't able to see magical things before, but now she can. Mm. Um, but these people that she's run into, 
I'm unclear whether they themselves are magical because there's a person whose like face she keeps not being able to see, which seems like it's magic. Um, And I don't know whether she could see that person before, but then some of the other people she knows from around town, like they work in in the shops and stuff. So I'm not clear whether maybe some of them are magical creatures and some of them aren't. Um, But either way, they can all presumably see all the magic. Yeah. And by magic, I guess we mean this, like whatever this thing is that demon creature. Um, thing. Yeah, this big creature thing that got covered in blood from the moon or something. <laughs> I'm not sure what was going on there. I even reread it and I was like, I still don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or to to talk about the blood for a bit, uh, I'm curious. Like, so Louise has the whole thing where she's like crying blood, but then also not because other people can't see the blood. Like, yeah, it's only the people who can see magic. That. Yeah, so um, oh, what was the name of the guy who, Matthew, is Matthew, it? Yeah. Um, who she sort of makes his deal with. Um, and, like, so he can see the blood and obviously she can see the blood too. Um, but the but guy yeah, in the like, pickup truck didn't seem to be able to see it. Yeah. So. And I think Matthew said that she was crying because she, uh, like, hadn't really seen much magic before. Like it, I mean, she sort of says she's been having some very slight hallucinations for the last few weeks or so. Um, but... Uh, like because it was such a big, big thing to see or something because this thing was presumably very large and very magical. Yeah. Um, she had the bleeding. But, yeah, I guess it's not real bleeding because she can't feel it sort of like in her eyes. So it's like magic blood. Yeah. Something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious the things that just kind of jumped out at you as strange, like what kind of things you saw in that prologue that you – I don't know, that you want to put a, a pin in to, to figure out later? Uh, I think for me I was most intrigued that when she saw this giant creature it made her sad. That, like, yeah, I think someone, Matthew or something later says that, oh, you were probably scared when you saw it. And she was like, no, I felt sad, which mm. judging from the howling and everything, yeah, I'm wondering where this creature came from, why it seems to be sad and why it makes her feel sad. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess also that, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out kind of what everything is. So, like, I already touched on the fact that there's sort of these these group of people who maybe some or not all are magical, unclear. Not all humans seem to be able to see magical things. And Louise has only started to be able to see it because, I guess, because she's terminally ill, like because she's close to death. So, which is kind of sinister like so i don't think magic is going to be a very nice thing in this world i think it's going to be a bit (laughs) dark i almost wondered because they said that the obscured woman lady said that yeah young people old people and people near death can see them which made me think that they're seeing you know beyond the veil of the world into sort of a spirit world Mm. since that does tend to be common in tv shows and everything so that would be my first thought with that that this is some sort of demon or dead thing that she's seen and then the people she's met with they're, they're clearly suspicious like they <laughs> they talk about you know that they need to um plant clues and like cover cover this like they're trying to cover this up they i'm pretty sure they overtly say that yeah um and that yeah they they are using louise to plant um to plant a clue for whoever these people or creatures or whatever yeah. are who are going to come and investigate I found it interesting that they themselves said that they don't understand everything about the situation. They said everything in this doesn't even make sense to us. 
And then they also were saying that, um, yeah, they want they want to leave some clues for the people who are going to come searching for it because they're desperate enough to need their help, which indicates that they they did something to set this off, but they can't control it oh, and see, need help with I it. I interpreted that differently. I thought they were desperate to plant clues because they potentially wanted people to be looking in a direction other than themselves. No, see, I even um, wrote down the quote of, the people who will look into this will be in need of clues and will be desperate and in need of them. Oh, so see, I thought them was the clues, not not the people. See, I assumed it meant they will be in need of the people yeah. who come to help control this whole situation. Either way, maybe. But then it was funny because they're like planting, well, because from the way I read it, they're planting the clue, but they want her to be 100% honest. They don't want her to lie. So, um, yeah. They don't want to lie because they want them to find and fix this issue. Yeah, that, that probably is the correct interpretation of that sentence. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree, though. There's something weird going on because it's like they're, there's, there's, some of the things they say make it seem like they're involved or at risk somehow. Mm. But then also they do seem like they're kind of like, oh, just tell the truth and, and be open to the investigators. So you're like, okay, well, that seems... It's not very manipulative, is it? But it, it feels yes. like they're being more manipulative than they're acting. And I suppose when they said they were covering up, I guess I assumed they wanted to cover up, like, from the people coming to investigate, but maybe they just were talking about covering it up from, like, people like Louise, like humans who witnessed See, something strange. I interpret it as they're some sort of either small rebel group or some sort of group outside of this main larger organisation or something and that they did something wrong that maybe released this demon or something, did something wrong but they're unable to fix it themselves. So they've, they're trying to use the larger organisation to fix their issue without exposing that they've, they're the ones who caused it. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, trying to stay out of the spotlight while getting someone else to handle it. Yeah. yeah. I like the, the references that, that you folks are making to some large organization. And I, I guess I'm just, I want to pick at that a bit more and see if you have any more thoughts about what that organization is. I mean, my thought was just some sort of governing body. Like, to be honest, my first thought was the Ministry of Magic from Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> some sort of almost government yeah. that's controlling all of this magic and the magical creatures and everything. But then, of mm. course, there's going to be people who want to stray outside their rules or not be governed by them who are maybe doing experiments or magic outside and trying to cover it up. So, Yeah, so I suppose they could be hiding because they did something wrong involving this creature or maybe they're just like kind of general criminals and they just generally want to avoid whatever this authority is. Yep. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, there's not many clues on on them other than them saying they're in desperate need of their help, which to me indicates that they must be some sort of governing body or like organization that will come and clean these messes up to protect the rest of the world. I, I, had, I had two two more quick questions. Actually, the, the first one should be pretty easy. What do you think is the deal with the little chimpanzee things? Oh, well, I mean, so firstly, I think they seem to be some other kind of maybe magical creature that Louise has not previously been able to see, but that since, um, you know, she's become able to see magical things. Like she's mentions that she's sort of seen things like those in the corner of her vision for the last few weeks. As I guess she gets slowly sicker. Mm. Um, in terms of what they actually are, like no idea. I, I can't think of any mythology yeah. that 
that I know of that fits in with some kind of like chimpanzee-looking magical figure. No, I don't they, know what they are. I think that because they mostly appeared around the big red monster. And they were following it And they it followed too. it, which makes me think that, yeah, they're in line with whatever that is and, yeah, don't have allegiance to anyone else. Like I don't know who's there with though. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if they're necessarily directly related or if it was just that she just happened to see whether there's quite a few magical creatures in general hanging around and she just happened to see them on her way Yeah. because um, she can now see these things. Yeah, I'm not sure. Look, she did say she doesn't get out of the house much, so <laughs> and they, they could have been there the whole time yeah. or they could and, have and just And they didn't been. attack her or anything, so yeah. I don't think they're necessarily malicious. But anyway. Yeah, okay. So the, the last question I had for you both was, um, like, you've seen, like, a tiny bit of magic. Like, Matthew obviously did his, like, kissing magical power. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, like, if you have any other, you know, ideas as to how magic might work. Like, obviously, you know, different stories have magic that works in different ways. Like, what do you think about the magic in that you've seen so far and, like, what what might the rest of it be like? Well, whatever magic Matthew did, it, it does seem to evolve making some kind of, like, deal or contract. Um, yeah, like, he really forced her to agree to it. Like, he needed her specific consent before he could do anything about it. Yeah, and that these contracts are made through some kind of um like I mean he had to he said he could hold her hand but kissing worked better so I guess there's like certain like things like rituals or something that people need to do mm-hmm. to make um to to make these deals but um, he I don't know whether all magical need to involve the deals or not though yeah I found it interesting also that he didn't um use any sort of like wizardy stuff like a you know sort of wand or like spells or anything but then I did notice the picture at the top of the banner had a sort of like summoning circle so that indicates to me that there must be some sort of spells rituals and stuff passed on but they're also able to do magic without those things yeah and then it seems like I guess probably um certain creatures yeah, like, I mean, maybe Matthew is not human, although he, like, works in a shop. So, I don't know, maybe he, <laughs> I'm not sure whether he's, like, a human who is able to do magic or whether he's, like, a creature that innately has magical powers that he can um, make deals with humans with. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think my final thing I want to dive into is just if you have any thoughts about why this story might be called Pale or the tagline of Beyond a Doubt what that might be referring to, any thoughts about that kind of stuff? I had a really good think about this and I couldn't come up with anything beyond like stuff that's just essentially the definition of the two, like of the word and the phrase. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess pale, like maybe sort of losing, because pale is like losing colour or losing mm. um, importance. So I wasn't sure whether it would have something to do with, with that as a vague theme um, and then Beyond a doubt, I guess fits in with the whole mystery that sort side of side of things, like covering things up, like because you, you prove something beyond a doubt. So I only came up with some very loose themes. Mm. Maybe Hannah has something <laughs> a bit better. I like after reading the first chapter. Yeah, like my first thought was like I was sort of thinking of idioms. Like yeah, like beyond a doubt. Like is this the truth beyond a shadow of a doubt? Sort of thing. Yeah, like that. Like yeah, fi- trying to find the truth and then pale. I was kind of thinking more like, like um, you know, pale in comparison to something or something that um, pales in, into insignificance. Like, you know, the tr- 
the real world is pale in comparison to the world of magic or the truth pales in comparison to what's really happening. I don't know. I was just, my first thought was like pale in comparison. And Mm. I feel like maybe it'll have something to do with figuring out the truth of things in the future. Yeah, I mean, oh. I should point out we don't really know the answer to that either, right? That's yeah, yeah. something that we know as pact readers um, is just interesting to hear more perspectives on. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I I lied before. I do have one uh, final <laughs> question for you. You guys looked at the brochure, right? Oh, um, yeah. Yes, briefly. Yeah, I, I'm interested if you have any thoughts on what the hell's going on with the sticky note. Yeah, let me uh, try to pull it up. Pull it up I now. Mean, like I kind of thought. LVA were possibly the the initials of three people. Yep. Um, and then they're preparing some sort of spell. But, yeah, they can't steal the stuff. So, this, like, once again, this is coming to those sort of rules, like how they had to get her consent for the magic. So they can't steal something. They have to get it, like, by choice. So, I mean, like, and I know this is a stretch, so feel free to say no, but based on the ingredients for the the spell any any ideas what it could be for um cake some savory pancakes <laughs> it's, a, it's a magic cake spell. i don't even know what veg ash is uh, I, I suppose i'm more focusing there's obviously the part down the bottom where there's like yeah the there's skull, like an hourglass and the there's hourglass. Eyes and the, skull. the skull i i don't know whether they've um sort of written skull because it's a poor drawing actually it's pretty good <laughs> it's pretty or obvious whether they're like thinking where the hell are we gonna get a skull because but it's ticked off it's marked i think it's marked oh off. it is too they found, so they found one well maybe <laughs> they were struggling um yeah so i guess those seem like well the knife and the skull are pretty sinister i don't know if that's a coin underneath the skull I was also staring at the top bit where there's that, that sort string. Of That's wizard. a needle and thread. Yeah. No, I was staring mm. at the top where there's the little wizard hat with like a dog, cat, and like, I don't know, a deer or something. It's yeah, like, which I guess like an animal for each yeah. person. Well, yeah, if we've got LVA and they've each got an animal. But they all have to share one hat. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be wherever they're going to be at 5.30, exclamation point. Don't be late. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, any any ideas what it could be for? Oh, uh, yeah. Be bold. Um, bold I'm, like, just, I'm just going to have to say a summoning ritual. <laughs> just something. Yeah. Well, I mean, to summon it's a, d- a, a dog, a, a cat, and a deer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I, I don't know. No, I thought it was a bit of a stretch. Like, it's, it's a tough call. It's a hard so question. It's yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, any other final predictions or uh, thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think so. It was, yeah, it, it's a fairly, like, vague chapter it's obviously setting up the mystery um more than giving clues i suspect the clues will slowly come yeah i feel like it's a lot of clues that over the next few chapters we'll be like oh yeah cool okay well thanks thanks so much for for coming along and giving us the the non-packed reader perspective that was that was pretty juicy (laughs) (laughs) i I feel like it's frustrating for you guys like hearing all these completely wrong things that you know are wrong. <laughs> well, the thing and you're is, trying not to be you, like, oh yeah, you got it. We'll be like, no. way off. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess you you two don't know the things that you've said that are close or not. But for us, there were a few things in there that were surprisingly interesting, or like interesting perspectives through which to view some of the things that we expect are going to come up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, thank you. Thanks again, and. uh Maybe we'll hear from you again another time. Sure. Bye.
fight. Oh, those are some very interesting theories. Uh, we'll have to see how many of them pay off. But for now, that's all we have time for in our first episode of Pale Reflections. Uh, yes. Um, and so we're, we're going to do discussion questions in this show, just like uh, we did in Deep Impact. Uh, Yay. The, that was our original content. Yep, our Impact. completely original <laughs> idea. Uh, no, speaking of Pale Reflections, shout out to, <laughs> to We've Got War. Elliot, um, don't say it. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so our discussion question this week uh which you can answer in the reddit thread below mm-hmm. uh it'll be in the show notes is what kind of extra materials do you think would be interesting to see in pale yes i think it's been interesting to track that wild has kind of broken the format of the web serial more and more over time um and this is the biggest one we've seen of him actually just putting together a visual pamphlet which i think is great and i'd love to see uh, other people's ideas for what kind of extra materials or like different types of format breaks we might want to see from Wobbo, I think that's an exciting thing to theorize about. Yeah, exactly. You know, what what wacky ideas for extra content do you have, I guess? Yeah. Um, If you want to leave your thoughts on this episode, on these first chapters slash about pages slash brochures, um, (laughs) the place to do that is in our Reddit discussion thread, which will be linked down in the show notes below. Uh, yes, we're also on Twitter uh, at MediaMD Podcast, which of course is the the name of our other podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I do live reads. Uh, so I already did one for zero dot zero, and just after this comes out, I'll probably be doing one for one point one. So uh, those are in the Doof Media calendar at doofmedia.com forward slash calendar, and at MediaMD Podcast is the place to find them. Yes, uh, you can also support the Doof Media Network and all the great shows that we do uh, on Patreon. It's a completely Patreon-supported network, so um, get, head on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia and you can back us, which not only gives you that warm feeling of supporting uh, the content that you hopefully enjoy, but also gives you some real nice tangible perks. Uh, yes, like uh, voting in all the various things that happen at Doof Media. There's... Uh you know fan art contests there's the book club there's mm-hmm. the game club mm-hmm. that ruben and i have just started yep uh as a patron you get your say in what sort of stuff gets covered in those yes um if you're a, a real big patron of ten dollars a month you also can vote in the uh council of doof uh to that's do- uh twenty dollars twenty dollars a month god damn it yeah. i never get these levels <laughs> correct um but there's a um, lot of great perks at different levels if you want to check them out speaking of other doof related things um you know we just brought up We've Got Ward before. They're actually doing their final yes. you know, episode in about two days after this comes out. Yep. So he- head over to the calendar again to see more about that. But they're actually streaming that one live. Mm. Uh, so that'll that'll be on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Uh, and, you know, Matt and Scott are going to get on with everyone and just sort of talk about the story, do a bit yeah. of a Q&A. Yeah. Uh, see, the, see the show off in a, in a really, and, and the story, in a really fun way. Uh, I can't wait for it. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can find more info about that at doofmedia.com or doofmedia.com forward slash calendar. And, of course, we're back in the world of Wabo, so uh, if you want to support all the great work that Wabo is doing, he is also a fully patron-supported author. If you head to patreon.com forward slash Wabo, you can support Wabo and you know, help th- ensure that he can continue to make these great cool things as his job, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, it's good to be back. It's good to be back, Elliot. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to get into this. This a murder mystery is going to be so much fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we'll have to see if we can figure out who has done it. I believe that's the term, right? Who has done it? <laughs> yeah, um, that's it. We'll have to see if we can figure that out next time on Pale Reflections. Not gonna be lie, I'll be a little disappointed if we figure it out by next week. <laughs> next but, chapter, um... we've cracked the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs>
All right, see ya. Bye.